Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another action-packed episode of the Nintendo's Podcast. I am one half of today's co-hosts, Brayden, and across from me, I have... I am the other half of today's co-host, which I think... Does that make me a quarter co-host? A half of the co-host? Yeah, Maybe. no, that, that's Something. interesting math. Yeah, I was a theater major, sorry. But put those what? ingredients together, and you have the Nintendo Gems Podcast. Yeah. Welcome, guys. Um, what kind of podcast are we, exactly? Yeah, we are a Nintendo podcast where we cover Nintendo games both new and old. This episode, we have some brand new, new Pokemon Snap is what it's called. Yes, so make, new, Yeah, really? making it easy on us. And then um, some old, we're going to cover a Super Nintendo classic, mm-hmm. Donkey Kong Country, which is going to be a little bit out of our comfort zone, but I'm excited to get to talk about it. Ooh. It's interesting to parse that. Maybe I shouldn't have lumped you into that. It's out of <laughs> my comfort zone, but sure. I, I took the time to play it, and so I'm I'm interested to for your first time. Uh, yes. Right. Gotcha. So, yeah. You know, it'll be it'll be good to discuss. Yeah, but. it'll be fun. Anyway, before we dive in, I do want to say if you aren't following us on Instagram, I think at this point it's safe to say you're missing out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I am proud of my posts, at least. We are keeping up with our Instagram pretty well. Uh, we're posting lots of screenshots and content from the games that we're playing, the games that we're going to be discussing on the show, mm-hmm. um, and you know any announcements that we might have, we'll definitely run through there. Um, of course, follow us on Facebook as well, if that's your preferred place, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. Absolutely. I will I will vouch for the Instagram lately, because Pokemon Snap is kind of kind of built for the platform in a way. We've got some, some real eye candy on there at the moment. Absolutely. That's that's just a great segue into the game. <laughs> should, we, should we get into it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have been the one to play new Pokemon Snap, and from here on out, I think we'll just address it as Pokemon Snap. Sure, um, but before before we address it any further, uh, I suppose it's worth mentioning, I, I myself uh, am more of a casual Nintendo's listener. Perhaps you, Brayden, are a more hardcore fan. Right. Um, so it's been a while since I have revisited the old episode where you and Jake both compared Pokemon Snap and Pokemon Ranger. That's is, right. Is that correct? Was that the, the conceit of the episode? That's right. We called it a Pokemon spinoff battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is one of our first couple episodes. Yeah. Um, so is it worth like a, a brief recap of what exactly Pokemon Snap is, or do we just redirect our listeners to to head there first or what, what are you thinking you know and to be honest it, it could be worth a, a just a brief recap of what the what the game is because that episode it's it's aimed to be more entertainment to sure. be honest rather uh, than analytical yeah, yeah but but by the same token it's still worth a good listen uh my wife is on it and we make fun mm-hmm. of her lack of gaming knowledge <laughs> so it, it's always fun so yeah with that said you know check out the old stuff if you want but otherwise mm-hmm. We're, we'll break it down for you right here now. Yeah, I just because you'll have more to say about new Pokemon Snap proper, I guess I'll I'll give a go at explaining the the OG. Yeah. So the original Pokemon Snap was released for the N sixty four way back in nineteen ninety nine, and is a first person shooter of of sorts. Yeah. Dare I say, like a rail shooter almost, but. The the snap in the in the title refers to a camera. You you are shooting photos, but yeah. So Pokemon Snap, even even regarding those other spinoffs and stuff, is still like a very novel, interesting 
oddball concept. Like it, it's it's a cool concept and like a creative one, but it's it is interesting to me that like it went so far as to like become a fully fledged, fully funded game. Yeah, you, you're talking about the novel concept of Pokemon Snap, but we we've done a little parsing of the timeline here of Pokemon games and kind of just the experiences that Pokemon players had had up to that point. And really, there was Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow. Uh, like you said, I, the, I think the Pokemon TCG game, probably for the Game Boy. Right. Uh, color, that is. Mm-hmm. But um, to my understanding, I don't think we'd seen Pokemon in 3D yet. Yeah, you're, you're pretty much right. Pokemon Stadium, which is kind of like the other main Nintendo 64 Pokemon game you think of, did come mm-hmm. out just a few months after Pokemon Snap was released. And the big draw of Pokemon Stadium was that it was all 150 Pokemon, all of your favorite Pokemon finally rendered in 3D, mm-hmm. in full color, and, like, you could perform, act out these, like, the Pokemon battles in 3D, and, like, you that was the You finally got to see the attacks. Special effects and, like, the, all the, yeah, all the, all the action in in real time, basically. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, that does put Pokemon Snap in a in an even more interesting place because that really was more so the first time that you saw Pokemon in 3D kind of doing their own thing, but like outside of a battle context too, which is really interesting because it's all even disregarding that this is the first time that we saw Pokemon in 3D and that it's a Pokemon photography game. This is like a wildlife photography game. Yeah. Like can, can you name off the top of your head, like another wildlife photography video game? Like, and that's, a, you know, and that's a great point. Just mm. back to your kind of niche, you know, strange idea. Yeah. Like a, Pokemon Snap itself is notable as an interesting artifact in the Pokemon spinoff um, canon. Mm-hmm. But just like general, just as far as general video games go, like there really aren't many notable wildlife photography simulators. Yeah. Um, and the fact that one of like the most accessible and enjoyable ones is a pokemon game if not like one of the only ones period uh-huh. and that it's good is a good it's good at what it does yeah. is pretty wild i agree and so now 22 years later mm-hmm. this game has remained untouched at, at while still being regarded as one of the best pokemon spin-off games yeah you know it it's never lost its cred, you know. It's right, and people. I mean, the the 3DS came and went. The Wii U came and went. These different Nintendo platforms with built-in cameras, uh-huh. like into the hardware, have like come and gone, lived and died, and people have like been waiting with bated breath for like a Pokemon Snap sequel, spinoff, reboot for a long time, and like these obvious choices have have kind of passed us by but we are finally here somehow for some reason i guess now is the time 22 years later (laughs) to strike gold why not yeah like you were saying the wii u really struck me at the time as a console that would suit the pokemon snap series well Mm -hmm. just with the the gamepad and the gyroscopic features you know just it it sure seemed like a, a healthy fit but right i'm the switch is a great home for it as well yeah, absolutely. So then tell us about it. Why is it a great home? Is it good? Is it's, it new enough? It is certainly new. Um, and if nothing else, it is new in the fact that the first game had 151 Pokemon and this one has yeah. all freaking 5,000. 
that we have at this point in the Pokemon series. Really? Careful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really should have toned that down a little bit. It pulls from the entire pool of 5,000 Pokemon. I'm exaggerating. There's... There's not a thousand yet, right? Yeah, there, there's not quite a thousand Pokemon yet, but this new Pokemon Snap, it does have the entire Pokedex to pull from. Um, and so that just means, you, you know, you're seeing newer faces to the Pokemon series. And even some of the old Johto Pokemon uh, from Gold and Silver, you know, that just weren't around at the time that the first Snap came out. So it's nice to, to see some old and new faces. They're all kind of commingling, too. Like, it's all... 800 some of these Pokemon from across generations and from the past few decades. Exactly. And it's your job as this kind of research photographer to capture them in these adorable or dangerous, you know, it really, the, the situations these Pokemon find themselves in vary depending on the Pokemon. Capture them? No. There's, there's no Pokemon battling. There's no Pokemon capturing. It, it purely, it, it plays like a, a visit to your nature center, kind of. Mm. You are, or to the zoo, I, you know. Yeah, even. that's that's better, yeah. Um, but, but in this case, the Pokemon are out in their natural habitats, and you're, you know, catching them doing what they do on their day-to-day basis. It's like a safari. Exactly. So in the, the original Pokemon Snap, the concept was you are this, like you said, kind of like a, like a fledgling... Pokemon wildlife photographer and you're hired by Professor Oak on this island to just kind of like he just wants research like he just kind of wants somebody Mm -hmm. to observe and catch Pokemon doing what they do in the environment just for his own research purposes and that was kind of the extent of the the plot as it went it was Mm -hmm. mostly about the novelty of the photography gameplay spoiler alert but the the original game did end with you taking photos of Mew as kind of like a final boss sort of but their circumstances ended up getting a little more elevated in right. a way. Very loosely. It wasn't like it was never like save the world or anything, but you, you did encounter Mew and like that was kind mm-hmm. of a big deal. What is what's is does the is there a plot in new Pokemon Snap that is relevant? So it's very similar to the original. There is a new professor named Professor Mirror. I have not quite found the pun there. You know you know, usually there's like mm-hmm. I don't know. They're all named after plants, or, you know, it's a play on the region or something. Maybe it's because, like, camera apertures use, like, a a mirror. Maybe. uh, We can go with that. Okay. But you're working with Professor Mirror in the Lintal region, which, to my understanding, is also a new region in the Pokemon world. Right. If, If you're familiar with Pokemon at all. Each region has its own set of Pokemon, essentially, that are found naturally within those biomes, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and, and so Lintal brings together all these new Pokemon and old for you to go out and explore. It, it really takes the formula of the original game and I would say just expands it. There's more courses than there were. I, I think there were only like probably 10 courses in the first game. Ooh, honestly, probably fewer than that. Forest, beach, desert, cave, volcano. And I'll say it's it's not far off in new Pokemon Snap either. Mm. You know, there there's a desert, a cave, a underwater level, which is new and kind of cool. Cool. But each of those levels have variations. There's not only a day and night cycle that you can kind of switch between depending on how you want to play the level, but also 
and in game, the the more that you visit a course, the more familiar the Pokemon kind of become with you. And as is common with the Pokemon series, it's all about friendship and love and mm. and your care for that you give for the Pokemon. And so as they start to realize that you mean them no harm, you're just there to observe them and and love them for what they are. They'll start doing cuter and more fun things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a lot of like replayability in these levels. Whereas in the original, the same thing happened on every run. Right. And replayability is important because you, you've referred to them as courses. And and I guess I, I kind of introduced Pokemon Snap as like a rail shooter kind of. Right. Um, the gameplay consists of it's, it's first person and your character moves on a fixed track a la a rail shooter, like, I don't know, Star Fox or something, or like an arcade first-person yeah. shooter. I would think House of the Dead or, yeah. you know, Area 51 at an arcade. You right. don't control where you're going. Truly, you just... yeah, truly one of those, but instead of a gun, you're pointing a camera. Mm-hmm. You, you you move along a fixed path, and the, the level lasts like five or so minutes, typically, and you can move your character's viewpoint 360 degrees, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, things are happening all around you on this fixed track. Pokemon are everywhere in this environment doing different things. And part of that replay value is things are happening all around you, and you can miss some things mm-hmm. on one run, so you want to go back and take a picture. Um, and that's kind of part of the, co- the collection aspect of it, too, is you want to replay these courses, capture all the Pokemon, kind of c- fill out your Pokedex, essentially, by, mm-hmm. like, catching photos of quote unquote I'm physically doing air quotes right now of all of the pokemon um catching them all as it were yeah but yeah so with new pokemon snap it sounds like there's a lot more variety there and a lot they play with like that replayability a lot more nicely with i guess day and night cycles kind mm-hmm. of already adding a little bit more flavor to each course but also the fact that it changes the more often you you visit it is kind of cool right Additionally, they do give you tools to also elicit, you know, strange reactions from Pokemon. Uh, this is also, if we're using the word traditional at this point. Well, um, and you, you, Braden, alluded to the fact that there's a lot of friendship and love and it's all very friendly. Yeah. Um, but it's worth noting, in the original Pokemon Snap, you could throw apples at Pokemon to either, like, kind of bonk them on the head and kind of elicit reactions. You could kind of, like, make, like, daze them or stun them a little bit. <laughs> Um, you could throw apples, like, in front of them to have them eat it. Like, you could use apples as, like, bait to kind of lead them towards something else, to make something happen, to uh-huh. make them interact with something else. Um, but you could also throw these things, stun balls or something. They were essentially, like, poison capsules, they sort of. They were purple and smoky, dude. Yeah, they were, like, these little Pokeball-looking objects that you could throw at the Pokemon that, when they make contact, they explode into, like, a purple gas. Yeah. And they would stun Pokemon even more. Like, they were, like, they were to, like, agitate the Pokemon uh-huh. and, like, kind of make them angry. Which... Get them to roar or something. Yeah, or, like, exactly. use an attack. You, right. It was kind of, like, they were kind of used to intentionally elicit a negative reaction. Like, that's how you can make a Pokemon attack each other. Or, like, yeah, like, use, like, a, a, a move, like, a fire breath or something, or make them roar. Uh-huh. Do something, like, kind of cool. Which, I mean, is a little cruel in retrospect, but <laughs> that was something when I was playing it a little bit ago, when Brayden was showing me new Pokemon Snap, is that there is there are no longer poison stun balls. You cannot poison the Pokemon any longer. It's true. For better or for worse. Yeah, they so they kept the apples. They call them fluff fruit in this game. Which sure, I, yeah, yes. why not? Okay. <laughs> um, they also kept the pokey flute, which okay. in the original game was used to 
wake sleeping Pokemon, which is just how it goes in Pokemon, the Poke Flute. Mm. And I haven't found tons of use for it yet. There are so many secrets that I am positive that I have not uncovered. And you having beaten the game. Like you you said yes. you rolled the credits, right? Oh yes. I rolled the credits and there's still plenty of Pokemon that I have not seen their fanciest moves yet. You know what I mean? Mm. There there's a, still plenty for me to capture and there's still plenty of Pokemon that I'm positive that I haven't even seen in the first place. You know, uh a lot of it is using these apples or the Poke Flute in the right coordination to make this special event happen. However, in this game, they they did replace the poison smoke balls with these things called Illumina orbs. Oh, fancy. Yeah, it, it's, the, it's the gimmick. It's the linchpin of the storyline, essentially. The word Illumina, if you can kind of just get on board with that word, it'll make this whole conversation easier. Illumina, so for those of you playing at home, um, it's worth mentioning that Illumina is not like a Pokemon lingo term, like a universal thing. This is this is new to new new to new Pokemon Snap. <laughs> yes, correct. So go on. What's the deal with Illumina? Yeah. So as part of the story, there's an ancient tale of a meteor falling and these five giant shining Pokemon f- fending it off and saving the whole land. It turns out that there's this force of energy in the Lintal region that feeds from inside the earth and emerges through these plants called Cristabloom flowers and these Illumina Pokemon become Illumina Pokemon by eating the Cristabloom, essentially. What is an Illumina Pokemon? Is that a good question? (laughs) It is a good question. It's not a shiny Pokemon. Because that's a thing in Pokemon. Shiny Pokemon are the different colored Pokemon that you'll find. They're like 1 in 64,000 or something like that. Right. So they're not even different colored. They're generally larger than the average Pokemon of... But not Mega Evolution. They are not not Mega Evolution. Gigantamax or whatever. No, they are not Gigantamax. Okay. They are Illumina. And large. So the first one is like a Meganium, which is Chikorita's final evolved form. Mm. Um, And it's like the size of a small building, small shed, you know, small house. Uh, And and so, I mean, that's, that's huge compared to like the normal size. Right. But I don't know how it became the Illumina Pokemon or... It ate the flower? Question mark? But, I mean, I think it's been around for, like, thousands of years or something, too. Uh, okay. So, well, so, there are legendary Pokemon. This is yes. this is, this is is me informing the audience. There are legendary Pokemon, period. Pokemon generally, like animals, there are a lot of Pikachus out there, but there are legendary Pokemon that are, like, there's only one of. There's mm-hmm. only one Mewtwo. There's only one Lugia. Mm-hmm. There's only one Palkia, so on and so forth. This Illumina Meganium, mm-hmm. <laughs> to give it use its Latin Good. scientific <laughs> name <laughs> classification. There's only one of those, right? It it is the Meganium that ate the Illumina flower or something. Does it like? Does it explain this? Like th- we you so th- this game has plot. The plot is glowy Pokemon. I mean, terrific. It, yes, sold. That's all you you really need. Very new. And and all that to say is. They've replaced those poison balls with glowing orbs so that you can make the Crystal Bloom plants shine and make 
the Pokemon glow as well. They don't become... I don't know. I don't get it. What they don't become when... Illumina Pokemon, but they are affected by the Illumina glow from these plants. Did. Making them do fun, quirky things. Okay. It's how you can like draw them out or make them be more active or do something more interesting? Exactly. Okay. Uh, these plants have just an all-encompassing power in the lintel region apparently sure that just get pokemon and humans going alike and if you can manage right. to get these plants shining near a pokemon they'll generally do something cool corsola will like shine and put rainbows out and mm. and a score bunny will start doing like flame kicks mm. and will it make any of them like evolve on the spot or anything dude that's one thing i have not seen a single live evolution in this game which i thought was pretty cool in the first one it was cool but it was also very it was not like a regular like it happened like once or twice yeah which was what made it cool was like yeah Mm -hmm. if i recall you could like push like a moltres egg into lava yeah or something maybe it was magmar and it would hatch yeah it was pretty novel for that to happen in the original and Mm -hmm. i mean i guess it's somewhat surprising that it's not in this new one that it could be used like pretty creatively yeah so wildlife photography game concept in mind and catching them all in mind and also making the pokemon do interesting things i feel like this all kind of needs to come together to the to the main gameplay mechanic of kind of what is new to new pokemon snap is like the rating system of your photos because it's not just about catching them all it's not about Mm -hmm. like getting the photo of charmander just in time like you just Uh to have a photo of charmander is to get the best photo of charmander absolutely right to like get the most interesting and coolest or most natural Mm -hmm. photo right absolutely and there's a there's like a system to that yes you can call it your pokedex it's actually called the photo decks (laughs) in in pokemon snap uh each pokemon has four slots for pictures to to be assigned in their photo decks and each of those four slots are rated from one to four stars. So you, you take a picture of a Pikachu sitting in the sand, and it's probably going to be a one star. But if you take a cool picture of a Pikachu lit up by an Illumina flower while also using Thunderbolt, that's going to be a four star. Okay. And so that there's room in between for different things for the three and two star. And... Pikachu may have multiple behaviors that will reward a four-star photo, but yeah, like you said, you're, you're generally trying to fill up all four slots of each Pokemon and, and get the highest ranked photo you can of it doing the most interesting, research-worthy behavior. Mm. Right. How many Pokemon are we dealing with here in this, in this game, dare I ask? How many are represented? Can I please catch them all? Ooh, you're a far cry from getting to catch them all, for, for certain. Um, I think it's safe to say there's probably about 30 Pokemon per course. Okay. There are 11 courses total, and to see all 30, you probably, I think it's safe to say you need to go between day and night, you know, play both versions, and and all that said, Pikachu shows up in (laughs) several of those courses, so there's going to be some repeats as well, but I don't know, 30 times 11, 330... That's, I'd say that's probably a safe average guess. That's reasonable. And you think like the um the representation is pretty even and like pretty 
like I guess just like statistically even, but also like as far as like crowd pleasers are concerned, like everybody <laughs> kind of like from across all the generations will kind of be pleased with like what Pokemon are represented throughout yeah. these environments. Yeah, I think so. So I really we we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but I really disliked Pokemon Sword and Shield. Mm. Um, and <laughs> so I. I, and I mean, I didn't even finish it, to be perfectly honest. That's just almost sacrilegious on a Nintendo podcast to to officially announce. But I didn't finish it, so I don't know all the Pokemon. But there there were a handful of Pokemon I did not recognize. Hmm. And there were plenty of fan favorites from back in my day as well. Right. So, it, you know, it's very cool. The one thing it was funny I was complaining to you about before we started playing, before we started recording, was just the lack of legendaries. I right, yeah, in the mm-hmm. game. That was my next question is like, with all that representation, I mean, again, the first Pokemon Snap, kind of the finale was Mew, mm-hmm. which was the legendary of legendaries at, at the time. Right. Um, and still kind of is, but like what, what legendary could they choose to kind of be like the flagship one, the flagship Pokemon for this, or to like be like the kind of final encounter finale significant i don't know you know right we've had some back and forth about whether it's worth discussing the big legendary pokemon in this game and it's not that big a deal but by the same token if if you want the surprise i i've been known to spoil things before and i will not be the one to do it this time but uh so there is one legendary that does appear at the end and is kind of the the big finale pokemon kind of like mew but i was complaining about the lack of legendaries Mm -hmm. and that being the only one yeah especially now that we have so many to draw from and there could be so many cool composed moments of like i don't know like spoiler that it's this isn't the legendary but like i don't know zekrom Mm -hmm. like coming out of like a dimensional portal or something you know i don't know oh yeah something wild but then i did kind of get a lesson we we pulled up just one random level and we saw a legendary like almost immediately, sure. which I who I had never seen before. Right, and so that makes me think there's some post game content, you know, kind of starting to unfold as well. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe like some bigger, wilder names will show up. Fingers crossed. I was because you saw my reaction when that legendary popped up on yeah, that I one mean, random run. It was, yeah, it was very random. I really feel the care they put into this game i really i can tell they wanted it to feel big and full and exciting and you know that's kind of interesting because in a way the original pokemon snap even beyond like other pokemon spinoffs that are kind of just more like pokemon but a puzzle game or pokemon Mm -hmm. but like a racing game even like (laughs) pokemon snap is like truly like a love letter to Pokemon as like a world, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like it really brings it to life in a way that even like the core games don't always, cause mm-hmm. they're always about battling. Right. In a way that kind of like the show, like the, the TV show is kind of capable of. Sure. Sure. Um, and it was the first video game to kind of like do so and like make the world feel breathing and alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it sounds like new Pokemon snap does that even more so with yeah. more Pokemon and more ways to like, make that world feel alive to make them Mm -hmm. interact and feel lively and interesting you know absolutely there's lots of replay value lots of like they're not challenges actually they call them requests and so like different characters are like hey can you catch this pokemon doing this behavior or i heard this Mm. pokemon does this sometimes can you find out and there's a lot of them and they're kind of hard to nail down and so there's replay value there 
do you do you think those are more like quests or do you think those are kind of more like hints nudging you towards fulfilling out all of the like star the four star requirements it's nice because it's both okay it is 100 percent because most of them when you fulfill a request you get like a little dumb reward you know like a profile icon or like mm-hmm. a banner but at least they're like treating it like a mission or a quest mm-hmm. you know by rewarding you but at the same time you're also filling up your photo decks with gotcha. the the fanciest shots out there right that is that's cool yeah my one thing is it just doesn't feel like a $60 game i feel like this is always where we end up yeah. with games like this yeah and i was happy to spend $60 on it sure having played the original wanting that that hit of nostalgia but I I don't think Nintendo will find the profits that they are looking for at a sixty dollar price tag. You don't like, think Nintendo will find profit from a Pokemon game? Do, are you, you, <laughs> well, to, I mean, you're right. Yes, it's their best selling franchise. Like they're gonna make money. But the people that I generally talk to about video games, I'm like, hey, did you get Pokemon Snap? And they're like, ah, no, they're not really my thing. Sure. Yeah, and like I mean, that's that's kind of how the original Pokemon Snap is. Is like we can like nostalgically fawn over our all what we want, but like when you want to show anyone, I mean, like whether somebody our age that like was into Pokemon or somebody like a like a twelve year old kid who's into Pokemon now, like here's this Pokemon photography game from back uh-huh. in the day. Like it, it's a it's a hard sell, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I don't At think forty dollars would it be as hard of a sell? No. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Of course, that's any game ever. Sure. Drop the price. Yeah. But <laughs> but well but. But to think about too, like if if new Pokemon Snap were Pokemon Snap, if this were the first Pokemon Snap to come out, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. I think maybe the novelty would even be be even greater. I think like there yeah. would be kind of like this meme value to it, uh-huh. you know, if a Pokemon photography game dropped in the middle of like <laughs> between Sword and Shield and like whatever this uh, Arceus game that's coming out soon. Uh-huh. Like, I think maybe maybe I'm I'm wrong with where I was going with that, but. Like, but that's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning. Like, it's such a novel, weird, left field concept for a, get- a video game. Period. Let alone mm-hmm. a Pokemon spinoff. That it's just kind of it's it just exists in such a weird place in Pokemon canon and video game canon broadly. Yeah, I do think it kind of comes back to like replayability for me to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's very replayable, and I'm enjoying going back through the courses and finding new cool pictures to. Because I want to put them on Instagram. And, yeah, and, and, and you're a, kind of a completionist by heart, too. Yes, but plenty of people will get so bored with this game after 30 minutes. And so that's, like, where my wariness comes in, mm-hmm. I think. But if you're a Pokemon fan, if you're at all, like, photographically inclined, yeah, I think you would love it. it it's really just an easygoing experience. And so, you know, if you're, if you're looking for less action and more unique, I yeah. guess... I'd say, and if if you're like a casual gamer, like if you mm-hmm. like Animal Crossing or mm-hmm. something, like something slower paced and more, in like just enjoyable and less reflexive and action packed, like yeah. Monster Hunter that we just covered, <laughs> um, very much a, a different kind of game, a different change of pace. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, and I and I would even tack on like if you like traditional adventure games. Like this kind of like creative puzzle solving sort of element, like mm-hmm. getting the Pokemon using the, the your environment, but also the tools you kind of have available to you to like 
get these Pokemon to where you want them to be. Yeah, yeah. Is like a, a, akin to old point and click adventure games, almost kind of chain of event games. Yeah, mm-hmm. like just general like puzzle solving is like mm-hmm. I think that about Pokemon Snap is something that appeals to to me, my left brain. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to just like the right brain cuteness of of it all. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess before we we transition to something I noted, and that I'm sure you already clocked when you were playing it. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. This is no sword and shield. It's insane. <laughs> the I don't know if it's just genuine technological improvement or just more fuel to the flame of the dumpster fire that was sword and shield. I mean, I didn't even play sword and shield, but I could rant and rave about like why it didn't need to end up the way it did. Espe- <laughs> like especially visually. Uh-huh. Like I have uh-huh. my own philosophy on it and and I'll, end, I'll illustrate that philosophy real quick. For those of you playing at home without prior contact, Pokemon Sword and Shield, the most recent mainline Pokemon mm-hmm. entries, Sword and Shield version, were kind of widely panned for being really ugly looking. <laughs> um, this is the first time Pokemon has been like in HD on a home console, like, mm-hmm. a, like a main Pokemon game. Um, and it really just like wasn't very visually impressive, given that. And it was kind of panned by fans and critics alike. And I think that was avoidable because Sword and Shield also had a very limited roster of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Like we said, we have over 800 Pokemon at this point collectively, but Sword and Shield had a very like limited roster available of like a couple of couple or few hundred. Um, And so they could have used that resource to make those Pokemon really pop and look Mm -hmm. amazing. Absolutely. And something about like where those that budget and those resources went went awry. But here we are, like a year and a half mm-hmm. off of Sword and Shield, yeah. And we here we have Pokemon Snap, which is again a couple hundred Pokemon, mm-hmm. but they look gorgeous, and yes. the environments are beautiful, and they all do interesting things. And because they're acting in nature and doing their own thing, they all are so much more expressive and emotive. It's and, so true, and more visually pleasing and animated than Sword and Shield. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to think about, I don't know, that comparison is just interesting. And, and again, a, a photography game facilitates that kind of right. presentation more, obviously. But I don't know. But going We're... back to that Arceus game, as you called it earlier, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the graphics there are already just so much significantly better than sword and shield we're not i'm not trying to turn this into just a (laughs) crap on sword and shield episode we can but uh we got time yeah but nintendo the pokemon company game freak collectively the anyone involved has obviously like taken some notes from sword and shield definitely and 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 made improvements yeah new pokemon snap was clearly not rushed it was a labor of love Mm -hmm. 22 freaking years (laughs) yeah i would hope so right which are we are we cool with pokemon snap how do we are we is it in the books new pokemon snap yeah get it i like it 22 years of development wow okay you said it not me i'll give you credit i'll give you equal credit Uh i'll give you a half half a co-host's worth of credit (laughs) um so for our nintendo gym for this episode our oldie uh, to juxtapose our newie mm-hmm. is Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo, and I'll I'll get to all the introductory bits in a in a second as we need to. But Donkey Kong Country essentially, like historically, took twenty two years to develop. Uh-huh. 
and not even like in the Pokemon Snap way where, where like a Donkey Kong game came out 22 years ago and then there was Donkey Kong Country, but like mm-hmm. literally the the developers of Donkey Kong Country claimed that like hard work on the game, like tangible development, mm-hmm. was literally 22 years in the making, which is a funny coinkadink, but also holy crap. Yeah. What? How? Which plays into a lot of just what we need to get into about Donkey Kong Country and kind of the new technology that it managed to incorporate. Mm-hmm. But uh, are, we, are we putting the cart before the horse here? Uh, Sure. What does that mean? Is that a phrase? I think so. Okay. Then um, you're getting ahead of so. yourself, son. Oh, yes. Then maybe to, to put the horse before the back before the cart where (laughs) where it's supposed to go or what have you donkey kong country was released in 1994 for the super nintendo i was Uh, born that year congratulations you did it i did it it was almost simultaneously released on the same day across the world globally Hmm. but it actually came in out in the uk a few days before the u.s that's generally unusual but it makes sense because it was developed by rareware Mm-hmm. Um, which is a British company. Yes. They are based in the UK, so that that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, it was released for the Super Nintendo. It's a side-scrolling platformer. It stars Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong. Which, I mean, we kind of need to stop there. Like, Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong right. weren't people yet, really. Well, they still aren't people. They they're, are mo- they're apes. Yes. Okay. Worth noting. Yes. You know? But yeah, you know, you're absolutely correct. Like, we... So, disclaimer... We're pretty unqualified to talk about Donkey Kong Country. The reason we're discussing it for this episode to just tear the curtain down and uh-huh. burn it in a bonfire. Uh, Braden just played it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I've played it before, but we grew up with the Game Boy Color version. Yeah. Which was released in 2000, six years later after after the uh-huh. original. And is a little different from the Super Nintendo original article in in some notable ways that like we don't necessarily need to get into because (laughs) it is less important and also kind of (laughs) sucks but yeah we are relative newbies to donkey kong country but brayden played it for the first time recently Mm -hmm. and is very excited about it so i guess we can't promise to be like there's so much to say about donkey kong country it's such a historically significant video game across video games for nintendo for Donkey Kong as a franchise. Mm-hmm. There's so much to say and so much to analyze, but I guess I will request a little forgiveness if we don't mm-hmm. touch absolutely everything or touch these things with the heavy hand that they deserve. <clears throat> is that is that fair? Yeah, that was very well said, I think. Okay. I wanted to find a game on the Super Nintendo Switch collection mm-hmm. that A, was like a solid Nintendo hit, B, that i kind of hadn't played before you know and and donkey kong country really fit the bill like connor said we played the game boy color version so i'm semi-familiar and i don't think i've said this before on the show but the super nes is probably my least familiar nintendo console out there like i said i was born in 94 which was kind of in the heat of the snes era and so I don't know, we kind of missed it. Later on, we got an NES and played the fire out of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I just I just have not spent as much time with the Super Nintendo. So I, I wanted to, and Donkey Kong Country seemed like a, a good fit to, to expose myself to. Yeah, 
I'm excited for your future because we certainly have a lot of Super Nintendo classics to cover. Yes. Um, but Donkey Kong Country is, is might as well say it, it's considered one of the best video games of all time, like mm-hmm. often. It does have two sequels, and like for those that are like gamers, Nintendo enthusiasts alike who are like into Donkey Kong or into Nintendo games, like opinions vary on which is the best of the three, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I think the first one is generally considered like the most widely available, widely recognized classic, mm-hmm. especially just because it was so revolutionary for its time, and you can't really recreate that with sequels, you know? Right. That kind of um, impact. Let's talk about why it was so revolutionary, and I think the easy one to start with, the easy angle to start with, would be the fact that it it really was not Donkey Kong's first game, true, but his first starring role in a game. That's not even well, fair either. Uh, yeah, I mean, Donkey Kong as a character, as we understand him in the twenty first century, is wildly different from how he was introduced. But also, like, us being in the 21st century now with, like, 2020 vision, like, we we already kind of have two perspectives on Donkey Kong. Because I feel like, Mm -hmm. so there's the original Donkey Kong arcade game in, like, 1980, early, whatever. Yeah. That's the one. Um, The one where Jumpman faces off against Donkey Kong to save Princess Pauline. You know, all those classic characters. Uh Uh-huh. But... Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like everybody's generally aware of that Donkey Kong now, still, mm-hmm. in hindsight. But, yes, there was obviously some very significant turning point, because the Donkey Kong we also know and love today is a quadrupedal ape <laughs> gorilla with a red tie that has mm-hmm. his initials on it. Um, and it's kind of a goofball, but it's also like this, like, rough-and-tumble badass, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that original 80s Donkey Kong is just kind of like a general king kong villain sort of guy right and so yeah you're right something changed um and that something is donkey kong country and gosh again we're we're no experts on donkey kong but like generally nintendo is kind of looking to rebrand donkey kong to make him sort of a more action hero character to use for platformers um for more side-scrolling platformers And, and there was a lot of work with rareware um, the developer of Donkey Kong Country to kind of redesign the character to be more mm-hmm. palatable, a little more friendly, but also cooler. And it's interesting if if you look it up to look at like the concept art and the design documents, like the evolution of Donkey Kong from generic cartoon gorilla to the kind of ice ice cream scoop headed <laughs> red tie wearing hero that we know today. The concept art that like Shigeru Miyamoto, the original designer, traded with Tim Stamper and such, the team at Rareware. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's a very interesting evolution, and it was obviously very calculated and crafted to make this cool, recognizable character that we know today turn that villain into a hero. Absolutely. And then there's Diddy Kong, who like also kind of came out of nowhere, but whatever. Plenty of Kongs come out of nowhere. A lot. We'll discuss that. When Kongs we... came out of nowhere, generally, yeah. for this one. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Whatever Kong means. King. King. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, whatever. But. And, and uh, we'll, we'll discuss more random Kongs one day with DK64. And... Ooh, hopefully. So th- that does lead in. So, yes, they, they gave Donkey Kong a total redesign and gave him a world to live in. Mm-hmm. But to do that, they kind of harnessed some new technology to give Donkey Kong Country graphics that had never been seen before on consoles. 
it was mostly the fact that it was on a console, let mm-hmm. alone a, a cartridge based console. Right. Because at this point, the the PlayStation, um, this is a Nintendo podcast. I don't feel bad not knowing this. The PlayStation was either already out or was a right right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So like 3D graphics there were kind of like a little bit there yeah. maybe, or were close. Mm-hmm. Or if the PlayStation One was out, then they were using pre rendered 3D. Right. Um, but the like Braden alluded to, the big visual draw for Donkey Kong Country back in the day in 1994 was that it used pre-rendered 3D graphics. Ooh, Ooh big words. 3D is is the operative word, and in in, <laughs> in the 90s, 3D video games. I mean, that's kind of that's the selling point. If mm-hmm. you if your game is 3D, then it's new and it's exciting. That's a whole new dimension. Um, but pre-rendered 3D graphics are a little different um, because this is the Super Nintendo we're talking about. It doesn't have excellent 3D rendering capability, mm-hmm. um, if any. And the Super Nintendo being a cartridge-based console, especially cartridge-based hardware was not known for its graphical fe- fidelity, let alone its like storage fidelity, as opposed to the disc-based hardware of the PlayStation, which could kind of had, have higher quality files um, and so on. But so what pre-rendered 3D graphics means is that during development for Donkey Kong Country, they would the the artists, the character modelers would create these 3D models of Donkey Kong, of Diddy Kong and all the characters on on the computer, you know, as one does. Like this is also around the time of like Toy Story. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Toy Story was the first digitally animated, like 3D animated Mm -hmm. film. So 3D animation truly was all the rage. For Donkey Kong Country, they would render these 3D models as high quality as they could on the PC, mm-hmm. but then they would rig them in these poses and sort of take photos of them. They would set the lighting appropriately and such and get these high quality scans of these models in the different poses in, in a stop motion sort of way. Um, they would pose these models in different poses and kind of take screenshots of them, high quality screenshots, and then use those, those 2D renders of mm-hmm. these 3D models to create these sprites, which is a uh-huh. is the technical term for what 2D video game graphics are, mm-hmm. um, to make these sprites, to digitize these sprites onto the Super Nintendo. So essentially what you're seeing when you see Donkey Kong Country is kind of like these weird pixely sort of, I mean, they're they're flat images. Like they're yes. it's it's akin to like Mario World or something. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's flat Mario on a flat surface. Pixels, pixels, like, right? Flat pixels. These are not three D models running around a three D environment. These mm-hmm. are these are three D objects flattened to do to two D pre rendered, not being rendered in real time mm-hmm. because the Super Nintendo to create the illusion of pseudo three D. Did I did that? Does that did I do good? You did all, yes. I think you managed to get around like the mechanical yeah side of it. I promise I know what I'm talking about, but it's just like when it, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> but it's just when you don't have a visual aid, it's a little hard to. Yeah, well, that's the thing is it's it's worth looking up some screenshots. Hey, follow mm. Nintendo Gems. Yep. Um, we got some screenshots, but. It's it's a bizarre graphical style mm-hmm. um, because while it's wildly impressive and you can actually see the 3D, mm-hmm. it's also pretty darn strange to look at. It's it kind of gives that it's not uncanny valley. That's not like the right way word for it, 
but it's just kind of uncomfortable. That stop motion effect is there that kind of makes it a little I would strange. Say, I would say uncanny. I, here, here's here's how I should have introduced it. As opposed to hand-drawn animation, mm-hmm. like video game sprites at this point and oftentimes still are a matter of like each sprite, as it were, each frame of animation mm-hmm. is hand-drawn. Um, mm-hmm. You know, each Mario has a jumping sprite where mm-hmm. like a jumping pose and that is hand-drawn and he has like three frames of walking animation. Those are each hand-drawn. In a way, like Donkey Kong's running animation in Donkey Kong Country is is a animation loop, mm-hmm. but it's instead of it being hand drawn, it's just kind of like they pixelated pictures. Yeah, they they digitize these three D models, this these poses of these three D models running and mm-hmm. digitize them into these sprites. Yeah, um, which is also again like yes, well, like you say, they appear kind of pixely mm-hmm. when they're digitized. They're compressed a lot. Yeah, um, into these flat two D images. When all of the graphics are made like that, when everything is kind of this pre-rendered 3D with like, like the lighting isn't always consistent because mm-hmm. Donkey Kong will have the same kind of like angle of lighting on him in every single level because of the same sprite set. Right. But all these levels take place in outdoor jungles at night during the day in these dank caves mm-hmm. in factories like this like inconsistency of visual style does make it look a little uncanny, especially yeah. when it's attempting for the time to look kind of like as not realistic, but like as uh, advanced as possible. Right. Exactly. It's going for fidelity, Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. but obviously it hasn't aged quite as gracefully as maybe it it would have hoped. Yeah. I I think bottom line is the graphics are not my favorite, Sure, but I still am thoroughly impressed by them. They they are because you don't see graphics like that in other games Um, yet. Yet. Right. Sorry. I will say I mean I afterwards, I mean you there it did become relatively common for games to adopt that style after Donkey Kong Country kind of like made it a thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was the benchmark. It sort of popularized it, you know. Right. Did Clay Fighter use that? Any yes. Idea? Yes. Exactly. And like Clay Fighter Killer Instinct was mm-hmm. another rareware developed game that right. used that. I'm thinking of I don't know why this this was the first thing that came to mind, but there's a game called Skull Monkeys on the PlayStation One that is a claymation animated game. Uh-huh. Uh But like same kind of thing is that's how they use is the that sprites. Different from Escape from Monkey Island. <laughs> very, very <laughs> different. Okay. Um, but yeah, like using this kind of pseudo 3D style to emulate 3D graphics and to, mm-hmm. in hindsight, we can also respect it as like an artistic choice. Sure. Yes, they were they were striving for graphical fidelity and like being impressive, but I think the concession that we are making, you and I, mm-hmm. are that like even in spite of that, it still has value. It still looks good. Yeah. It still looks unique uh-huh, uh-huh. and recognizable, even if like it doesn't look quite as impressive as it might have in the in back in the day. Sure, and recognizable is all that i can say when i see that donkey kong country like logo yeah like just that's oh, so iconic yeah that title screen uh-huh um but i guess let's get into the gameplay just a little bit i i've said before i'm not the biggest just side scroller fan i am not always good at them i think that's part of the problem why i'm not always the biggest side scroller fan sure and fair. and man I would not have fared well on this game if I was not playing on the Nintendo Switch using the Super Nintendo Collection. I rewound that game 
like a blockbuster VHS. Like, yeah, I can confirm that for you. Just knowing you and (laughs) (laughs) what kind, how you like to play games. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, this is a tough game. It really is. I I did beat it, and so I have a completed file. But I, I mean, I rewound a lot. I use save states whenever. I wasn't at a convenient save point, which this game does have save points throughout the game, you know. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, I, t- I took full advantage of essentially running an emulator on my Switch, you know what I mean? But that it, it helped me enjoy the game and fully experience the game as well. I would sure. not have otherwise, I can almost confidently say. Unless maybe I was growing up in the 90s and that's how I played my games back then. Right. And it is tough. We were we were playing a a little bit before we started recording, and we were discussing the ins and outs of the term forgiving. Whether this game is kind of unforgiving because mm-hmm. it uses like a sort of archaic live system that mm-hmm. are a little insignificant. Like losing all <laughs> yeah. your lives sets you back like a little bit. The levels themselves are very trial and error based. Mm-hmm. I will say mm-hmm. um, is just kind of like the mo of the level design is that. It you could theoretically beat most levels in one go if you are just extremely reflexive and just an ace at video games, but odds are that like an obstacle will take you off guard, mm-hmm. um, and you will have to start over and replay and kind of like build familiarity with the level to conquer it. It's one of those games, mm-hmm. um, and as such, there are checkpoints throughout the level, throughout each level that are very useful. But and if you lose all of your lives you have to start that level over again. Is right. that correct? Yes. Which, you know, kind of a standard Mario sure. formula. But like you said, it does become a little meaningless at some mm. point. Superfluous. Yes. Meaningless is a harsh word. Sure. But like, where do you draw that line when you have access to like a rewind feature? Like, Just make me invincible. <laughs> <laughs> well, Donkey Kong Country Returns did have that super guide feature. Do you remember that? No. It, that was what that is. It would play the level for you if it was too challenging. Wow. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a challenging platformer. And like you can, in this day and age, sort of set that level of challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I mean, it, it again, it's one of those that like with the trial and error style of the level design, like it kind of facilitates that even, yeah. you know. Well, a great example and one of, the game's most popular levels is the series of minecart levels right that you know there's a handful throughout the game and essentially you're just riding in a minecart which is going downhill and of course you have to jump over gaps and miss all the enemies or or kill the enemies and you know there's secret tracks you can fall onto, all that fun stuff but they throw quick traps at you like you need to be paying attention and maybe if you're weird you can make it through in one go but you're I mean, probably going to die a bunch and have to memorize when to jump. Right. And there's, I mean, there's even like some like leaps of faith involved. Right? Yeah. Like times where you have to jump that you're not sure even where the where next track is. Up. Yeah. Like, which that's a, a personal opinion of mine is that that is not great level design. Mm-hmm. Dare I say, dare I say that Donkey Kong Country has, <laughs> might have some poorly designed levels. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't want to put the car before the buggy mm-hmm. um, or what have you. But I, I think Donkey Kong Country is pretty all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it deserves its classic status, but I, I think it's worth like a, a one play through and then yeah. 
I don't know. I don't think it's that fun. <clears throat> is all I'm getting at. Yeah. But that's a personal opinion, mm-hmm. and that's that is fine. Well, and I'd have to say that you've played probably more traditional Donkey Kong games than I have. Just thinking of Donkey Kong Country, Country Returns, mm-hmm. Jungle mm-hmm. Beat, Tropic Freeze. Like you've you've kind of run the gamut. And how how much do the later games build on this original formula? Like, or do you think they've become kind of a different series over time? Mm. Does that is that a fair question? Does that make sense? It's a fair question, and it makes sense, but it doesn't have a simple answer. Yeah, because Donkey Kong is one of those series. It's kind of like how does how has Mario evolved? How have his games? Well, I would say Mario has evolved in a more clear way than Donkey Kong has, because huh. like Donkey Kong, like if I ask you, what does a Donkey Kong game play like? Yeah. What does that yeah. mean? Okay. Yeah, you got me there. Like, cause that was easy, right? <laughs> and, that's, and yeah, like we had Donkey Kong from the '80s, and that was that. That's uh-huh. an, an arcade game, and then it got reinvented for Country, and then after Donkey Kong Country, for a long time, that was kind of it. We had mm-hmm. DK64, which is a, a 3D platformer, which was also never done. Mm-hmm. So many Donkey Kong spinoffs. We got Barrel Blast, Donkey Konga, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. Jungle Beat also being a platformer, but being like its own kind of platformer. Yeah. I love Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. <laughs> do you remember Donkey Kong King of Swing? Yeah. That weird climbing game. What? Yeah. yeah. Those graphics were weird. That was a yes, weird art style. The visual style, style was, was strange. Yeah. A little bit. But then 2010, maybe, um, we got Donkey Kong Country Returns, which mm-hmm. was like the proper, like, here's Donkey Kong Country again. Yeah. Or not again, but like here we here's more. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> and it was a proper like another proper Donkey Kong 2D platformer, very Donkey Kong Country-esque with new mechanics and more interesting levels and more accessible to a natural evolution in my opinion for the series. Feels pretty different mm-hmm. um in a lot of ways, but I think an overall positive step. And then yeah, we got Tropical Freeze which was the sequel, but then here we are kind of Tropical Freeze was the last one, like, Mm -hmm. what, six or seven years ago? So who knows what's next? Mm -hmm. So to answer your original question, yes, absolutely. Because Donkey Kong Country, even if, like, the formula for a Donkey Kong game has, like, gone all over the place, Mm -hmm. like, Donkey Kong Country is the is the seed is. Yeah, the skeleton, the bones. Yeah, because it would it's not the same Donkey Kong without Donkey Kong Country. The, it, it created the new canon for Donkey Kong. Sure. And I do kind of want to take this moment to say that, like, I, I think I want to expand my Donkey Kong knowledge. Like I, I, do, I did kind of intentionally pick Donkey Kong Country as at least the first one for this show and the first Donkey Kong game that I've played in a long time because Tropical Freeze is supposed to be phenomenal. Absolutely. We, we have Jungle Beat for the GameCube, and that's just... Hell yeah an insane game absolutely and and you did it right mm-hmm. this is where you should start it's like you know it's like zelda if you're playing a zelda game for the first time where do you start well <laughs> anywhere but it's kind of like you know ocarina of time mm-hmm. if you right it's kind of the understood yeah seed there absolutely you know Donkey Kong country is is the essential it's the necessity mm-hmm. it is the founding point mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's free kind of if you are a, Kinda. if you have the Nintendo Switch Online service that is like twenty bucks for a year, mm. you have access to not only the NES collection but the Super Nintendo collection. All three Donkey Kong Country games for the Super Nintendo are on there. 
Uh-huh. I, well, are we done talking about it already? 22 years of development. There's just so much to cover and to appreciate. The music is as iconic to Donkey Kong Country as any other facet of it. The visuals, the gameplay, the the iconography of Donkey Kong. The music, David Wise, mwah. Mm-hmm. He is the composer, and it and fidelity wise too. Like is it was almost equivalent to like the leaps and bounds they made with the graphics, like mm-hmm. the musical fidelity, the the quality of the samples. Like he wanted like the instruments he chose and the genre he chose for mm-hmm. Donkey Kong to be like kind of like nineteen forties like swing <laughs> kind of style, yeah. you know, for the jungle. Like that's that's a that's a choice. That's an artistic choice. Like oh, it could have yeah. sounded like anything. It could have been like Mario music, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was on purpose. And then like. Yes, the, the the Jungle Japes theme song is like the most iconic Donkey Kong tune, but mm-hmm. the fans know that what really counts is the ambient underwater music. That's oh. where that's that's the real money maker. Really? Do you I don't remember? I don't. I guess wow. I don't know if I played it that level with the volume down or how could you? I don't know. If I had a nickel for however many thirty minute long, three hour long, like ten hour. Uh-huh. study music you know on youtube yeah, that yeah. like that are just the donkey kong country underwater ambient music <laughs> like i would be a rich man mm-hmm. there are it's 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 known for having atmospheric engaging interesting music yes all that to say all catered for each level like yes holy i i would have to say oh this david wise guy but mm-hmm. connor like knows who david wise is right and so like and he went on to compose for like uh, like Donkey Kong Country returns and such too. Mm-hmm. Like he he's the real deal. He's the guy. Yeah. And he uh that was he, was, a, he was a rare facet though, right? Right, exactly. He was part of not Nintendo, he was part of Rare. Exactly. And he was that was something I read too, um, in my research is that like he expected the music composition duties to be tossed over to Koji Kondo. Uh, sure. The Mario and Zelda composer. Because uh-huh. like duh, it's a Donkey Kong game. It's yeah. like it's Shigeru Miyamoto's baby, you know? Uh-huh. But they were like, no, yeah, your test tracks are great. Let's keep going. And he was like, well, uh-huh. I, all right. And that's that's something worth noting, too, is like we've talked about Rareware and how they developed this game. Shigeru Miyamoto, the original creator of Mario, Donkey Kong, Zelda, didn't direct or produce this game. Huh. Did you know that? I didn't. He did not. Not He had some creative direction. I mentioned that he um, obviously he had to give the okay to Donkey Kong's redesign as yeah, a character. Sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as like development, like directing, producing roles, like mm-hmm. he he is not he was not the man for this one. Wow, they gave total control over to Rare, uh-huh. which is a, a big move. But yeah, so like it's just interesting. That's just another interesting facet of the development is, and also that explains this inconsistency with Donkey Kong games generally is like Rare developed these three games, and then Rare disappeared from Nintendo, which is kind of why. Donkey Kong went through this weird identity crisis game wise. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Donkey Kong Country is just like such a big thing to tackle. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Diddy Kong Racing on the show before. Like, oh, that's true. We have an episode. Uh-huh. It's been a gym. Um, and I don't know. Just while we're on the topic of Rare and Diddy's premiere, like, where did this character come from and why? And dang, Rare sure ran with him. Because the yeah. sequel doesn't have Donkey Kong. He's in it, but he's not the character. Well, yeah. It's... I mean, yeah, Diddy Kong is a is a creation of Rare, of uh-huh. Rareware. Like, he he was created for this game. And I don't know necessarily about, like, making Don- his, 
making Diddy Donkey Kong's like nephew or like making Diddy Kong like cool or something. Uh-huh. But I, I read that like development wise, they did want to give Donkey Kong like a partner just mm-hmm. to like make the player feel a little less alone or like yeah. just give it like a little more variety to the gameplay. Sure. But yeah, this is his first appearance for sure. Um, and and he's a huge character now too. He's made it into Smash. Yeah. King K. Rule has made it into Super Smash Bros. He's the of big course. bad guy from that premiered in country. Uh-huh. Lots of standards. Yeah. Being and, born here. And that's I think that's the word that I like have been meaning to use this whole time but maybe never found was like Donkey Kong Country is like the standard. Mm-hmm. Like it set the standard for a lot of things like for graphical fidelity in Super Nintendo games and platformers quality of platformers Mm -hmm. this kind of trial and error style of platformer that became so influential yeah what new like video game soundtracks could be and like how ambient and suggestive without like being like bouncy video game music they could be Mm -hmm. and just like how important atmosphere is even in video gamey platformers i don't know there's it's it's, this is a loaded gun there's a lot here and sorry we weren't necessarily the guys to bring the hard-hitting news about <laughs> Donkey Kong Country. Well, but we, I mean, it, we had to get there someday, you know. And hey, if it makes you, the listener, feel any better, this was a great piece of catharsis for me. I learned a lot and, you, you know, definitely helped me process my gameplay as yeah. well. Well, so yeah, what's your what's your take? What's your review? Do you did you like it? Are you gonna play the other two? So I actually I haven't told you this. I did start Donkey Kong Country two. Okay. Um, and it's interesting with Diddy and Dixie Kong. Like, right? It's different powers, different. You do have different abilities to play with, and I don't know. It's interesting that they got rid of Donkey Kong for it. Definitely. But yeah, I'm. I'll probably go on and play them. I don't know if I'll finish either of them. I kind of just want to, you know, get a taste and see how they expanded the formula. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was a good game. And just a lot of older games can be can tend to be rough to play. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, lots of older sprite-based games, you know, like one pixel rubs another pixel and you die. <laughs> and I found this game to just, like, not be quite that punishing. I don't know. It, it was the cliche Nintendo polish is there as compared to like so many other action side scrollers that are on like even the super nintendo collection you know what i mean absolutely it's just such a smooth experience compared to so many of the other like like licensed platformers and stuff like all the movie tie-ins and stuff exactly like like super nintendo in in particular was just like a dime a dozen side scrolling platformers if you were a movie or a tv show like (laughs) it was your video game game was a side scrolling platformer yeah um yeah and like you're right but the Nintendo polish is there and evident, and it's Donkey Kong Country is a good game, and I feel like I did kind of like poop on it a little bit in this episode, but that's because it's again like a platinum classic, uh-huh. you know, yeah. like it, it's kind of untouchable, and so I feel like like it's okay to for it. I don't know to it, poke it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not going anywhere. It's uh-huh. not nobody's not going to play it because I don't like it and I'm announcing it to the public. And that's not what I, I don't want to dissuade anybody from playing it. It's sure. just that's it's it's not going anywhere. It deserves its rightful place, but it's just a, it's not my favorite, and that's yeah. okay. I I and I think that's a decent place to leave it because yeah. it's certainly an intent gem, and I am also glad I played it, and I'm also glad I get to move on to the next Donkey Kong game. It's like one of our like little league trophies from when we were kids. It's <laughs> like it's a trophy. It's an achievement. It's You're there. a game. Yeah, we can look at it, but now it's just gonna it's gonna go in the attic. Yeah. And uh, we don't really have to look at it anymore unless we really 
want to for whatever reason. That's but it, it deserves its, it deserves its place. That's good. That's beautiful. Thank you. On that note, guys, I think it's time for us to get out of here. We've been here for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. It's hot in this closet. Yep. Let's get out of here, please. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If again, if you are not subscribed to Facebook or Instagram, make sure that you do it. Please subscribe to us. Uh, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on right now there's a link to our discord in the podcast description click on that come say hi to us let us know what you're playing and yeah let's chat uh if you're listening to this podcast right now you could probably hear the theme music fading in at this point um i composed that for you and you can check out my other musical output that is a little more normal and less video game and more like stuff you should listen to on spotify or at my bandcamp page weave.bandcamp.com my my stage name is weave w-e-a-v check it out if you so desire hit him up hit me up all right guys my name is brayden and i'm connor and this has been nintendo and we will see you next time thank you so much for listening love you